Welcome to Why Want That, which is an ongoing series here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network, a show that focuses on the dynamic world of Disney merch. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and with me is Disney expert uh, Shelley Valladolid, who um, we've been waiting a long time to record this one, uh, tonight on Sunday, October 11th, 2020. That's right, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I know a lot of people have been concerned, and but you're feeling better now, right? I am. I had I had a I had a tummy tuck, and something went awry, oh. and I had to stay in bed and I do all these things, and it was I'm better now. Well, good, good, good. Okay, and the upside is it gave you a lot of time to pay attention, you know, while you were healing up to what was going on in the collectibles field and what was going on for merch and all that. Um, that's sure. That said, it's still a pretty tough time to be talking about a collectibles and merch with so many stores now still trying to work around COVID-19 and the need for their customers to do social distancing while they shop or at the very least always wear a mask. Um, always wear a mask. Yeah. Now, um, Disneyland Resort, you know, for those who haven't been following the news for the past week or so, kind of finds itself in a, a frustrating position right now. Uh, wouldn't you say? Or? I would. I would. They're, they're uh, locking horns with Governor Gavin Newsom, mm -hmm. who uh, would rather be on the side of caution, and Disney wants to be on the side of open. Yeah. Well, well just to sort of recap here, folks, Disneyland Resort closed back on March 14th, uh, again, due to the coronavirus, uh, Walt Disney World closed a day later on March 15th. And back then, we all thought this was just going to be a couple of weeks. We'll you know, wear our masks. We'll shelter in place. We'll, we'll beat this back. But that's... It'll magically disappear. Yeah. Okay. Um, not how it happened. Uh, on the East Coast, Disney Springs began a phased reopening on, uh, what was it, May 20th of this year. And the, the theme, parks, mm -hmm. theme parks out there... Uh, started opening on July 11th. Disneyland Resort, again, different story. Uh, downtown Disney Anaheim reopened to the general public on July 9th. Uh, and, and we're, as you said, you know, we're in this weird phase where the Walt Disney Company and Governor Newsom are trying to sort out some sort of agreement. Um, in fact, it was yeah. just yesterday that um, the Disneyland Resort announced that it was going to be adopting a, a brand new set of health and safety protocols and in the hope of convincing California officials to, to allow the two theme parks in Anaheim to reopen. Uh, and that came on the heels of Governor Newsom saying last Wednesday that we don't anticipate in the immediate term any of the larger parks opening until we see more stability in terms of the data. Um, we feel there's no hurry to put out guidelines and we will continue to work with the industry. So, so on on mice chat this week, mm -hmm. micechat.com, the site I work I work for sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> when I have good rumors. Okay, they've got pictures mm -hmm. of some of the new guidelines and some of the new uh, sanitation stations mm -hmm. and things like that. If you want to go, give that a look. Oh, okay, appreciate the heads up. You know, again, you know, long story short, the Walt Disney Company, you know, at this point, all Disney can have open in the state of California is downtown Disney Anaheim, which has proven to be a challenge. Um, 
Now, case in point, are you aware of the whole Wonder Ground Gallery story? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, all right, folks. Just, just again, to recap. Uh, Wonder Ground Gallery, a uh, wonderful uh, you know, a, a place that opened back in June of 2012. I, I got to tell you, though, that this, this store really does cater to a, a special clientele. It's, it's more of the folks with deep pockets who are open to the ideas of seeing their their favorite Disney characters maybe radically reinvented. Um, but was for me, what was truly great about the Wonderground Gallery is that it provided a showcase for a lot of new artists. Uh, and uh, initially, business was so good that uh, Disney Parks and Resorts decided to establish a second Wonderground Gallery. Uh, this one opened in, in June of 2014 at the Marketplace Co-op in Disney Springs and uh central florida it, and it, did you get to visit that during your last trip to walt disney oh, world um no we didn't oh okay because uh, what they did is that was did so well that they actually bumped it out uh created even more space within the co-op in 2015 um so anyway as we mentioned at the top um downtown disney anaheim uh reopens on july 9th wonder underground galleries Opens at the same time, um, and it, it would be nice to report that it, it did great business, but uh, that's not actually what happened. Uh, you know, a lot of those very essential customers with deep pockets uh, who would then purchase limited edition prints and, and the like just didn't seem willing to drive down to Anaheim in sufficient number and then deal with the new safety and, so you know, uh, safety and social distancing protocols. Uh, to keep this uh, viable. And look, folks, you know, there's the old cliche that the most important word in show business is business. And in a situation like this, where the only thing open at the Disneyland Resort are the shops and the restaurants at downtown Disney Anaheim, every single store had to pull its weight. I had to deliver better than expected sales per square foot. And if a particular shop wasn't delivering on that expectation, meaning its quota, well, things could change pretty quickly. And that's what happened with Wonderground Gallery. Well, I, I, I do want to note that there are, every day are huge lines to get into the parking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That it's very popular. Mm -hmm. Not theme park popular, of course. Yep. But mm -hmm. when something doesn't pull its weight with that, mm -hmm. then they have to make a change, mm -hmm. even if it's temporary, I hope. Yeah, same thing here. You can remember, there's a bright side here, folks. The Wonderground Gallery still does exist. It's in Orlando. You know, it, it's it's kind of a Toad Hall situation, or, or vice versa. We lost the Toad Hall at Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, but it still exists. Actually, in two places in Anaheim. Uh, what is it? The the actual Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, and then Toad Hall and Storybook Canal. Okay, Wonderground Gallery closes on September 15th and reopens the very next day as a Star Wars trading outpost store, which is loaded up with merch, uh, the sort of merch that guests used to be able to buy when they wandered the bazaar at uh, Black Spire Outpost. Right. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I don't have anything against Star Wars merch, or, or for that matter, neither does Shelley. In fact, you have a... Uh, some great news about uh, what Hasbro's up to the start with the Star Wars stuff, right? Well, yeah, they had their Hasbro Pulse, mm -hmm. which a little mini con. Mm -hmm. They had they had three things. Mm -hmm. They had vintage, they had Black Series, mm -hmm. and they had vintage collection Black Series and Force FX Elite, mm -hmm. which is a lightsaber, and that's Ahsoka's lightsaber, mm -hmm. and that comes in blue 
green or yellow and because she's had all those different colors. Okay. Any idea? So no, please so, continue. Okay. In the vintage collection, we have Attack of the Clones Anakin, which is a new cloak, soft goods on Anakin, and it has a photorealistic face. They've been able to do this with, it's kind of what you see on some of the rides Hmm. and some of the buildings during shows, projection mapping. Got it. Well, this is a smaller version. In fact, at D23 and at Comic-Con, you were able to get a Star Wars figure of yourself Hmm. at one time with your face on it and photo real face. And then they had the Phantom Menace, Queen Amidala in her black dress. Hmm. Again, photo real face. Uh, the Phantom Menace Battle Droid, Return of the Jedi TIE Fighter Pilot, Captain Rex, who is very popular from... Star Wars, right? No, no, not that Captain Rex. Different Captain Rex. Oh, no, no, no. There's... Star Wars Rebels. Uh, likewise, Rebels. That's uh, it. Clone Wars. Remember. No, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Clone Wars. Yeah, Captain Rex. And then there's a Mandalorian Incinitrate incinerator trooper Mm -hmm. with a flame effect now the black series which is the most popular they've got some amazing stuff they've got a phantom menace jar jar binks they've got a phase one clone trooper with a refreshed look Mm -hmm. this is real their nice way of saying second version or second edition but they're calling it a refresh so that it stays in the first edition pile um they've got a return of the jedi boba fett and this one improved articulation all new sculpt flame, grapple hook, removable backpack, gun is cut in half, and molded cape. I don't know what the deal is with the gun cut in half. Well, didn't during the sail barge scene on... uh, Oh, that's right. That's right. mm. Good catch. Okay. Uh, Dark side ray with a soft cape and a switch blade. Mm. The double blade. Mando Mandalorian, the armorer. Exclusive version. Former celebration exclusive will be mainline later. Hmm. So, yeah, they're taking some exclusives and they're making different editions of the same. If you take it out of the package, it's the same. Mm-hmm. But in its box, mint, mm-hmm. as, as you know, it's, it's great. They go in singularity file. We've got Commander Cody, Hoth Luke with a new photo real face. Now, I wonder how they do that from film because I'm sure they didn't get uh, Mark Hamill in there because then he'd look well old. Hmm. Uh, Archive uh, Empire Strike Back also Han with a Hoth gear brown jacket photo real face. Archive Thrawn photo real face for Thrawn with red eyes. Thrawn has never been a flesh and blood character. He's only been animated. So how do you do a photo real face with an animated? Well it's 3D animation. Maybe you could feed it in there. Do not know what to tell you. And then there's um, these I love. Holiday Edition, Snow Trooper, Sith Trooper, and Clone Trooper, and Storm Trooper. Mm-hmm. And they have, well, the Sith Trooper has Babu Frick and a Nerf gun and a Christmas scarf exclusive to Best Buy. The Snow Trooper with a Penguin Korg has a sword and is only available at Walmart. The Clone Trooper with a candy cane stick and an ugly sweater and a fat penguin porg is available at GameStop, and that's the one I'm going to be getting. Then there's the Store Trooper with the Praetorian Guard Weapon, ugly sweater, a snow porg from Amazon. And then the Range Trooper with a Santa theme, 
Ice Sith Baton, Reindeer DRO, that's from Target. Sounds like a lot of interesting stuff entering the pipeline, and particularly some fun Star Wars stuff headed into the holidays. That saber looks good, and the holiday stuff sounds hilarious. Well, anyway, to slide back to, again, you know, losing the Anaheim version of the Wonder on Ga- uh, Wonder Ground Gallery. Look, there was demand for, uh, you know, the, the stuff uh, from Galaxy's Edge, because, face it, people... Haven't been able to get into the Disneyland for six months at this point. Uh, but again, now you can get not just from Galaxy's Edge, but from Mickey's Star Traders. Yeah, I mean it's just it, or, sorry, Star Traders. I love old names. Yeah. <laughs> but again, for me, it's it's just tough because you know we've now lost the place where you you got to meet artists, uh, you know, places that these folks got to do signings and meet with their fans. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The signage for the store is essentially blankets Mm -hmm. thrown over brown fabric thrown over that says um star wars trading post on it that can be pulled off really easily i'm thinking it's temporary until the parks open again okay here's depending on how much money they make but that said i mean face it you know that that we're kind of dealing with the exact same situation with trader sam's and chanatiki bar uh that place has been locked up tight on both coasts since march which has really been playing hell with the tiki mug collecting community. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. I, I run a group on Facebook called Trader Sam's Mug Trading. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a lot of independent artists making Disney-themed tiki mugs. Mm-hmm. Like um, Tiki Al made a Jungle Cruise boat. There's Hatbox Ghosts. There's Madame Leota. There's Hitchhiking Ghosts. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some really great, really great stuff. There's a hippo from the Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just a letter off the name or something so, so they don't get Disney legal after them. Mm-hmm. The fans are stepping up. Well, it's, it's so funny you say that because I was just listening to... A recent epo- episode of the Murder Squad, that uh, true crime podcast, and Billy Jensen, one of the co-hosts, is is a huge Disney nut, and he was talking exactly about, you know, what you're talking about here. That that you know he's he has collected the mugs from Trader Sam. You know, there's been this disruption, and there were all these, you know, wonderful mugs that were scheduled to come out, you know, over the past six months. But uh, he's been in touch with one of the artists who do that, and. He's got uh, one of these these very mugs that you're talking about coming to him. I don't know if it's the uh, the Jungle Cruise boat or uh, the hippo, but um, but can you also talk about what's weird about this time? Is that you know sometimes the most wonderful things will turn up in the weirdest places. Can you talk about the tiki mini mug? Oh no, it's, it wasn't a mug. It was a tiki mini doll. Oh. Okay, all right. Um. And a um, Facebook friend of mine Mm -hmm. went uh, to her Disney store after she didn't make merch pass. Mm -hmm. She went to the Disney store, and she found a a single Tiki Mini there Mm -hmm. and bought it. Wow, okay. That's a lucky break. That is. So if you can't make merch pass, Mm -hmm. run to your nearest Disney store. They may have it in stock. Okay. Now, speaking of the Disney store, uh, Nancy and I went to our local Disney store, which is in the Merrimack Premium Outlets uh, up here in southern New Hampshire. Did notice something interesting. I mean, we're st- obviously three, still three weeks out from Halloween. but uh, And they have these these wonderful Star Wars-themed costumes. They've got a, a great Ray. They've got a, a great Kylo Ren. I immediately thought of you. Uh, they also had a, a, a Darth Vader. But... 
These were originally priced to go for $49.99 each and have since been marked down to $34.99. Whereas the Mandalorian costume, it it was still being sold for full price. Reading between the lines here, I'm going to face it, Mandalorian Season 2, which is going to debut on Disney Plus on uh, September 30th, is still a hot property where obviously Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is not. So we'll have to slide back over there in a week or so to see what uh, those outfits are going for then. Uh, anyway, uh, getting back to the Disneyland Resort here, we were just talking about Halloween costumes. If everything were right in the world, uh, the parks right, uh, you know, in Anaheim right now would be right in the middle of Halloween time. Um, and I don't need to tell you, Michelle, <laughs> that when it comes to the merch, uh, you know, the wonderful Halloween-themed merch that Disney typically has, um, those things are ordered, you know, months, if not a, a year or more out. And what with the park being closed since March, these things have been in boxes in a warehouse for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Which brings us to what Disney did, what was it, earlier this past week? The, um, yeah. October 6th. October 6th, yeah. The opening the Backlot Premier Shop, um, which is on, uh, entrance to the store is located on the east side of the Disneyland Esplanade over by where the buses and trams and, and uh, vans drop off guests who are, are staying off site. Uh, what have you heard about the Backlock Premier Shop? Um, not much other than look what I got mm-hmm. uh, from a lot of people. Okay. Um, it is located inside Soundstage 17 mm-hmm. at DCA, yep. but the entrance is on the Esplanade, so... If you want to get your feet into DCA, go to that store. And just in case you're wondering where Soundstage 17 is, folks, it's literally the building that stands between the 3D theater where they show Mickey's PhilharMagic and the show building that houses Monsters, Inc., Mike and Sully to the rescue. Isn't that where they had Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or something? They did. They did. And they also they also use this space a lot for press events and that sort of thing. If you're looking to score Disneyland 65 merch, which... Um, they did have uh, quite a bit of it initially at World of Disney. Have you heard about uh, what they're doing with the old ESPN zone in downtown Disney Anaheim? What is it this time? Well, I, what's interesting is it's been set up as a reservation-only shopping destination uh, that is reportedly filled to the brim with limited edition items like the Disneyland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. I mean, the pin set. They support supposedly started you know they announced this back in august 24th and the idea was that people had to actually book access for this reservation only shopping experience they they, they'd receive a one-hour window to enter the old espn zone i guess this was tried on august 31st september 1st and september 2nd and since then i haven't heard a whole lot have you heard anything about this um well dusty sage from mice chat went and there was only like one or two actually new things there. Oh. A lot of old pins. Okay. Not exactly what, they overpromised or? I think so. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Okay. Well. I mean, I didn't go my, I didn't go myself. Mm-hmm. All right. It's 
second hand, but... I was kind of intrigued by Disney offering this kind, you know, a reservation-only shopping experience. And um, speaking of shopping, uh, how many of you know about that sequence that was shot for Hocus Pocus that showed the Sanderson sisters wandering the aisles of a supermarket in modern-day Salem? Um, I do, I do. I do? Cool. Okay. When uh, Shelly and I get back from this break, we're going to talk about why these scenes were cut from that Kenny Ortega film. Okay, and we're back. Um, Look, folks, it's not often that a film, which was originally released to theaters in July of 93 and then only managed to come in fourth at the box office in its opening weekend, can then be re-released to theaters some 28 years later and come in third at the box office. This past weekend, I don't know if you saw the box office totals, uh, Shelley. It came in third behind Tenet and The War with Grandpa. But then again, Hocus Pocus is a very unusual film. You know, one that over time has gone from being a box office disappointment to a cult favorite to now, well, it's a seasonal must-see. There's a lot of folks these days, anyway, who just don't feel like it's Halloween until they... They get the chance to catch at least one showing of Hocus Pocus during the umpteen million times this Kenny Ortega movie is shown on Freeform during uh, that Disney-owned cable channel's 31 Days of Halloween programming event. Uh, Me included. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, it's on, I'll get sucked in. Uh, and I honestly, I thought I knew this Bette Midler movie pretty well. Again, Speaking of Hocus mm. Pocus and merch, yep. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Mm. I just ordered a Binks, a stuffed Binks with a little witch hat on wow. from um, ShopDisney.com. Okay. Did you, when you were in there, did you see if they have restocked the adult Sanderson sisters costume? Um, they have- they. I didn't see the costumes, but the dress, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, 50s style dress like they sell at the dress stores, mm-hmm. they restocked that from last year. Okay, because earlier this year, they actually had full size, I mean, we're talking wigs, we're talking, you know, and the thing is, you could get the full outfit for Winifred, Mary, and Sarah, you know, but again, these were for adults, not little kids, and, and they, they sold out like crazy. And it's just, it's so strange where you'll run into... Sanderson sisters love. I mean, have you heard about the drinks that are on the secret menu at Starbucks? Um, no. Yep. You can get a, there are three separate beverages, each of them matching the color palette of, you know, the uh, the three sisters. I guess the Winifred drink is green, uh, the Mary drink is red, and the Sarah drink is purple. We'll be right back after I go to Starbucks. <laughs> And we're back. Okay. I must have seen this movie dozens of times at this point. In fact, you and I saw it together theatrically uh, at, in 93 yes. at, I think we actually saw a preview of it at the AMC at Pleasure Island uh, before it actually I think opened. we did. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so again, felt like I knew this movie. And it was just this past weekend when I learned that there were several scenes that were cut from the family-friendly fantasy comedy, one that actually left a pretty sizable hole in the third act. So what was this crucial shopping-related storyline that got cut out of this Walt Disney Picture release, you ask? Okay, you remember how in the opening moments of this Kenny Ortega movie, we see Zachary Banks' little sister, Emily. It's a shot that's at a distance, but you get the idea, that she's being lured away from Salem Village 
by Sarah Sanderson, uh, with the insinuation that it's Sarah's siren-like voice that first awakened Emily from her slumber and then persuaded this little girl to leave her home and follow Sarah into the woods to go to the Sanderson sister's cottage. Well, if you read the Mick Garris and Nick Cuthbert original screenplay for this Walt Disney Picture release... It's Neil Cuthbert. Neil Cuthbert? Okay, Neil Cuthbert. Neil. Neil. Okay. You'll find that the key plot point was lost in the opening moments of you know, the, the theatrical release version of Hocus Pocus. And again, remember, we're talking out in theaters, summer of 93. So when Zachary Banks awakes, he calls to his younger sister and doesn't get a response. So Zachary then gets up, walks over to Emily's bed, pulls back the covers, and only then does Zachary notice that his, you know, that not only is his sister missing, but he, he finds a half-eaten candy crow. And Zach immediately reacts in horror with, when he sees this because these candy crows were actually supposedly how the Sanderson switch sisters bewitched the children of Salem Village. Uh, the candy crows contained a potion that then made the kids susceptible to Sarah's siren song. Uh, only after these kids had ingested the special candy were they then willing to go to the Sanderson sisters' cottage and get their youth sucked up, killing the kids in the process. We've established that. We now jump ahead about an hour into this 96-minute long movie. Uh, 300 years into the future, as the Sanderson sisters, now back from the dead, are being chased out of Gary Marshall's house by Penny Marshall, uh, who's pelting them with Clark bars. And as Sarah, Winifred, and uh, Mary are walking away from Gary Marshall's house, they quickly realize two things. The hobgoblins that are filling the streets of Salem aren't actually hobgoblins, but they're little kids in disguise. And the reason that all these children are out loose on the streets uh, on Halloween night is because they're collecting candy. And Winifred quickly realizes that the, the Sanderson sisters can turn the situation to their advantage if they can somehow whip up another batch of their candy crows. So this is where we, we get into stuff that I had never seen before. Winifred, Mary, and Sarah make their way to a supermarket in modern-day Salem, where after first being startled by the automatic door, they then grab a shopping cart and begin to wander up and down the aisles collecting all the ingredients they need to make candy crows. Um, and this supermarket sequence, Shelley, was actually shot when Hocus Pocus was on location in Massachusetts back in October of 1992. By the way, I want to remind you, we actually went to, in fact, it's so sad. This year, Salem can't do its several night Halloween thing. We went on the 300th anniversary. <laughs> we did. We did. We were there for that. And in fact, poor, poor Shelley. We went to uh, the House of the Seven Gables, uh, which... Oh, God, not this story. Yes. They, Go ahead. Okay. The, the House of the Seven Gables, which was doing kind of a haunted house kind of walkthrough. So in each room, there was a storyteller. And so we now moved to the attic, and there was a, a an actor there lying in wait, and, and Shelley was the first person up the stairs into the room. And this guy jumps. Never be the first person. Never be the first person. So he jumps at her and loudly says, boo. And Shelley damn near took his head. You know, they, they, in fact, they, the poor guy eventually ends up acting in the farthest corner of the room because Shelley is, is throwing daggers at him with his eye. eye I do not like being startled I, at all. I, I, I don't even like the pop-up ghost at Haunted Mansion. I get that. But, you know, just, you know, I, I just remember... You know, sort of leading Michelle out, out of the room, it. and also, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I, she doesn't really want to kill you. Um, anyway, okay, so back yes, to, uh, but again, they they were supposedly shooting 
in Salem in October of 1992. So we, we could have actually seen them shooting this movie if, if we'd been on the ball. Anyway, uh, Kathy Jimmy, the actress who plays Mary Sanderson, the, the sister who says, I smell children, had a lot of fun stuff that she <laughs> she got to do in the supermarket scene. There was, uh, Jimmy while shopping uh, in the modern super gags include, she comes across a shelf loaded with jars of baby food and then becomes so excited because, oh my God, in the modern world, they actually make food out of babies. And, uh, and then she comes across a display of baby oil and she just can't help herself. So she, she grabs a bottle of baby oil, twists off the top and then begins chugging it down. <laughs> and, and then there's this gag where uh, she's in an aisle filling her cart. And here comes another shopper down the aisle. It's a mother who's pushing a shopping cart. Only in this cart, she's got a toddler in the child seat. And so Mary distracts the mom for a moment and then switches carts with her. And then Mary races up the aisle with that, that the shopping cart that has a toddler in her. And she's so excited because she's managed to get her hands on a real child that, that, that she and her sisters can now eat. And but Winifred intercepts her, you know, in the supermarket. And basically, says, "Look, we have to focus on the task at hand. So no snacking on the job." And so you know, Winifred then returns the cart and the toddler to you know uh, to the now frantic mom. The Sanderson sisters. Uh, the sequence in the, the modern day supermarket ends with Winnie and Sarah and Mary rolling their shopping cart up to the cashier's stand, and when the teenage boys who's working the register then says, <coughs> "Will that be cash or charge?" Winifred raises her hands, and we see those little magical lightning bolts coursing between her fingers, and she smiles evilly and says, charge, and then electrocutes the cashier. So the Sanderson sisters leave the supermarket. Uh, They then use a backyard barbecue grill, Uh, you know, one of those kind of round black bottom things. They use it as a makeshift cauldron, and they then whip up a batch of, of candy crows. And in the very next scene, we see the Sanderson sisters standing in the street, and they're surrounded by dozens of trick or treaters who are just, you know, oh my god, I want a candy crow! And they're, they're just handing them out. Uh, and the kids are, are, you know, almost immediately consuming these bewitching t- treats. Anyway, you get the idea. Uh, the children of Salem uh, have not consumed the candy crows, which means they have also swallowed the magic potions. The Sanders and sisters brewed up, which means that once Sarah starts singing her siren song, the kids will be unable to resist. The kids, they'll, they will climb out of bed and then walk almost like zombies to the Sanderson sisters' cottage, uh, where Winifred, Mary, and Sarah will then suck out the youth and thus be able to live forever. So why did this entire piece of the plot get cut out of Hocus Pocus? Um, well, one of the reasons, actually, I've heard is after a few test screenings, Disney told Kenny Ortega... To cut out any scene, oh, oh, cut out the scenes where Mary sold the shopping cart with the toddler, as well as the scene as that showed the Sanderson sisters handing out bewitched candy to the children of Salem. Uh, you know, largely because the studio felt it made Mary, Winifred, and Sarah seem less sympathetic. Uh, in 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 the long run, here Disney wanted Hocus Pocus to be seen as a family-friendly fantasy comedy which is why the Sanderson sisters needed to be seen as comic villains rather than really for real villains. I, and also there's a rule in Hollywood as a film comedy and enters its third and final act is you have to pick up at the pace. You can't be bogged down by plot. you got to stay light on your feet. This is literally known as running for the curtain. Um, so here's Kenny Ortega. He's in the editing room working on you know, Hocus Pocus, trying to make the third act of this film tighter, move faster. 
And then Kenny gets these notes from Disney about which scenes they'd like to see cut out of the movie so the Sanderson sisters can be seen as more sympathetic. And Ortega's thrilled because it's like the studio has literally just solved this problem for him. Because cutting those scenes out just reduced Hocus Pocus's running time by about three minutes and also tightened up the third act. The only problem, though, is that these cuts create kind of a, a plot hole in the third act. Um, remember how we're shown, like, if you watch the finished film, Sarah is first shown flying over the city at night, you know, uh, singing her siren song, and then the streets of Salem are filled with kids, some in Halloween costumes, some in pajamas. And they're walking like zombies, again, toward the Sanderson sisters' cottage. But the movie then cuts to Max and Allison looking out of the window of the Denison house. Uh, that's Max and Denny's uh, last name, by the way, Denison. At all these bewitched kids in the streets. And uh, Max and Allison shout things like, turn back, don't go to the Sanderson house, they're going to kill you! But these kids, because they're under the spell of the siren song, just keep walking like zombies toward the cottage. Um, which has always begged the question... Why don't Max and Allison fall under the spell of the siren song? I mean, surely these two, just like the kids in the streets, can hear Sarah singing. Um, why aren't they becoming bewitched and then joining the zombie parade to the cottage? And, and the answer, of course, is that Max and Allison, and, and Danny for that matter, never ate the candy. They never ate a candy crow, so they can't fall under the sway of Sarah's siren song uh, because they haven't consumed a magic potion. But anyway, remember... Look, it's the final act of Hocus Pocus, and you're already invested in these characters, in this story. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, uh, Michelle, you're, you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The, right. Okay. So there's that moment where, you know, Once or twice. You know, uh, Indy, you know, swims out to, to the Nazi submarine where they've taken Marion and they've taken the Ark of the Covenant. And he lashes himself to the periscope, and then this kind of this smash cut where you see a map of you know the ocean and this red line that shows you where the sub went. Uh, and then the next thing you do is you see the the sub pulling into uh, you know a, a, an underground base that's been built in the side of a cliff, and you see Indy swimming away from the sub, and and it's one of these things that's like, wait a minute, it's a submarine. It did never go underwater. Well <laughs> Well, maybe they kept the periscope up while they submerged. I yeah, I get that, but you know, it's just one of these things where it's like, look, the hard reality is it's it's kind of a big plot hole. But on the other hand, you've so enjoyed the movie to that point that you're willing to to cut the filmmakers a break. It's like, okay, sure, they never submerged, you know, and you know, and it's it's kind of the same thing. With Hocus Pocus. It's just one of these things where it's like, wait a minute, they can hear the song, they're not being wasted. Shut up. You know, we're getting close to the end. Just just don't ask questions. But anyway, okay, so like I said, comes out summer of 93, doesn't do the business uh, that the studio wants it to do. So Disney decides, kind of an interesting move, um, rather than put the film out immediately on VHS, they actually hold it back uh, till September of the following year, September of 94, with the thinking that, okay, we learned a hard lesson that when you put out a Halloween-themed movie out in July, people don't come out. But on the other hand, if we hold a Halloween-themed movie and put it on store shelves starting in September and let it sell through October, you know, I bet it'll do okay. But at the same time, you know, the notion is, well, you we at least want people to know that it's coming. So October 1st of 1983... 
uh, is when Aladdin, uh, the VHS version of Aladdin, goes on sale. Disney really wants, you know, remember how out ahead of the VHS uh, movies there would be the, like that like 15 minutes of coming attractions. And in fact, I think that's one of the very first, right. first places people got to see, you know, the, the circle of life for the, uh, the Lion King. Um, right. You know, I mean, again, the, these were the sorts of things that made you think, I want to go see that movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so when it came to Hocus Pocus, Disney really wanted to use Aladdin to make people aware that Hocus Pocus is coming to VHS in uh, 1994. But at the same time, the people at the you know at Walt Disney Home Video were like, "Wow, you know, if we're going to really make this work, if we're going to get people use Aladdin to get people excited about Hocus Pocus, we've got to make sure that the trailer that we put together for Hocus Pocus sort of fits the mood of Aladdin. It's it's the same sort of level of zany. So they asked you know Kenny Ortega to turn over everything so that they could you know they cut a brand new trailer." for Hocus Pocus that they would then put in front of Aladdin. And they decided, okay, let's go with every big comic moment that we can. And in fact, what's interesting about the trailer, if you watch it today, you don't see Max, you don't see Danny, you don't see Allison, you don't even see Binks. Uh, But you do see the Sanderson sisters behaving like Mo, Larry, and Curly. What's especially interesting is that you can... When you watch the 30-second long trailer, and here's the, the the kicker, folks. You can go on YouTube and do it right now. In fact, if you uh, the search terms you want to use are Hocus Pocus movie trailer 1993, and make sure you're watching the 30-second version, not the two-minute long version. It's when you watch this trailer that you get to see Mary in the supermarket drinking the baby oil. It's uh, You get to see... Um, the, the Sanderson sisters standing in the streets, handing out candy crows to kids. Uh, there's even a scene, uh, you get a snippet of a scene where the Sanderson sisters, you know, the scene where they go to the high school to try to chase down the kids. They end up down by the, the school's swimming pool. And, uh, you know, you, you get to see the moment where uh, Mary and Sarah have just put Winnie in. But yeah, that, that, you know, so they shot this brand new, you know, they cut together this brand new trailer and, you know, and, and again, to match the tone of Aladdin. And it is just fascinating because, again, it features scenes that, you know, again, you got to remember this movie was already out in theaters. It was released theatrically, you know, months before. And yet here, you know, they're putting back in scenes that never made it into the finished movie. Anyway, uh, you know, now, Michelle, you were mentioning that when we were pre-gaming that, of course, you know, there's been all this talk, you know, more than 25 years after the fact of a uh, Hocus Pocus sequel. Uh, and you saw the the sequel Book. novel, right? Yeah, I saw it at Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I, I, I did... didn't buy it. I should have. Well, I... <sighs> I, I, you actually made a, a very wise decision. I have read the book, and it's 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 set, you know, again, it, it jumps the story forward 25 years. You know, in a weird sort of way, it doesn't necessarily service the characters all that well. In fact, not to pull a Frank Hill here, but they introduce the Sanderson sisters' mother. Oh, mother yeah uh, yes but the the interesting thing is that uh according to the mythology uh each of the sanderson sisters had a different uh father uh sarah for example her dad was the village idiot and mary god help her uh, her her dad was a bloodhound that's actually 
how she's able yeah. how she's able to sniff out children, and that's why she occasionally in the film barks and growls. But anyway, uh, if you if you if you're a, a long time, who was Winifred's dad? You know, I have been looking for that all of today, and maybe one of our listeners can provide that info, but. Uh, again, I was able to confirm the village idiot for sure. If you do, you win absolutely nothing. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I you know able to confirm the village idiot for Sarah and the bloodhound for Mary, but couldn't you know come up with who Winifred's dad was. Uh, on the other hand, I did learn that how in fact there's this wonderful behind the scenes thing about the book you know a book of spells that Winifred is so fond of and it was the first time I realized that the the binding what's holding the the, the book together is fingers uh, so ew. but see then now but this is the interesting part uh this is what Kenny Ortega uh had to really do he had to find that sweet spot between it being, you know, a story that could legitimately be told about Halloween, uh, but at the same time, it it had to be fun. It had to be uh, the, these characters still had to be likable. In fact, uh, Kenny just recently did an interview where he talked about uh, how um, the Sanderson sisters, really in his mind, were based on drag queen. That you know, that was the style of performance that he wanted out of them, and bet. Uh, Bet you know still talks about Winifred as if she's she's her her favorite character that she's ever played. That um, you know that that she personally consulted on the makeup, you know the little bee sting lips, and in fact she came in and insisted that Winifred's hair be done like Queen Anne's. Um, so I mean she was very <laughs> very very hands on on it, and in fact you know she 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 said look I never take things home, you know I took home the teeth and you know I would you know I would go home you know I'd go into you know my bedroom and catch my daughter you know in front of the mirror wearing Winifred's teeth so um, and uh, just to sort of put a cherry on the Sunday here. Uh, every year, uh, Bet does a, um, a a charity event called Hulloween, which is you know again honors right. you know her her you know her you know Hawaiian family heritage and Halloween. And this year, uh, again raising money in the, the face of COVID nineteen, uh, they are doing uh, a a hocus pocus themed event, and supposedly Sarah and Kathy are going to take part. So um, that's something definitely to take to keep an eye out for uh, in the waning days of October here. So uh, definitely. Anyway, so okay, folks. So there, there you have your shopping-related story tied to Halloween. It, like I said, I apologize if you're, you're looking for the Sanderson sisters dress; they're gone. That, but that just tells you how ridiculously popular these characters are, you know, were and still are. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's show, folks. Now, Michelle, you were mentioning that you you also you know do pieces over at Mice Chat. Uh, is there anywhere else that folks can find you online? No, I'm mostly just just resting up. Well, again, it, it's what you went through was pretty tough. So you know uh, that's important thing. Just heal up and get better. On the other, Thanks. you know, we're we're going to try to get another one of these out the door later this month, folks. Uh, but until then, if you're looking for stuff to listen to, uh, we also have what is it? Disney Dish with Len Testa. Uh, we have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. We have Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. And speaking of shopping opportunities, uh, folks. 
Dan's book, uh, the Star Wars book, uh, which he wrote with Pablo Hildago and Cole Horton, uh, is coming out this week. So if you're a Star Wars fan, definitely check that out. Uh, let's see, what else? We have Marvel Us Disney, uh, the podcast I do with Aaron Adams. Uh, and how oh, could I forget this? Fine tuning with Drew Taylor. Uh, you know, he and I talk about all sorts of animation news. I tell you what, folks, if you could do Shelly and I a favor, if you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend this show, that would be incredibly helpful. Please. And uh, tell you what, if you really, really, really like what you heard here tonight, if you could head over to uh, Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, well, again, that, that, that helps us afford the used to be $49.99, now $34.29, uh, Kylo Ren out. Ken, now I know you're on social media, uh, Shelley. I've seen you over at Twitter. Right. If people are looking... At Pink Monorail. Oh, okay. So go check that out. And Nancy wants me to remind, me to remind you folks that you can find us Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media and on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And I guess that will do it for now. So thanks for listening, folks. And Shelley and I will be back soon.